fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try Hey everybody, and welcome to episode number one of the fourth season. Count them, one, two, three, four, and counting. Fourth, definitely not last. We're going to pile these things on until one of us keels over. Uh, Season one, season four, episode one of the Fantasy Fullback Dive, still brought to you by the good people at the Rotor Street Journal. We're going to pave your way again, this time to a 2019-2020 championship. Are we sick? Yes, of course we're sick. Uh, you know, but we're going to pave your way. We're going to be your lead blocker. I'm your host, Nat the Truth Jones. With me, as always, the Wolf of Roto Street himself for the fourth season. How you doing? Doing fantastic, man. Couldn't be happier to do a fourth season. Came off a, a solid season. Three out of five leagues took the title. Oh, so that's great. N- not bad at all. Yeah, I know we haven't caught up in a couple of weeks. We had the holidays, a great holiday season with the nephews, all that. And it is that cold, dark world, though. No fantasy football yeah. going on. I guess when you get a couple titles, it feels better, but it's still, you know, you just wake up on Sunday. It's week 17. You throw in some shitty DraftKings lineups, but it's not the same. It's not fantasy. But there is still no offseason. You got to get ready for 2019, my man. And it's it's already time to go. Like you said, we're pretty sick. I like that word you used, demented. Well, that, we're talking no, about the 2019-2020 season. I mean, that's uh, that's kind it's kind of sick. You have it's to. It's sickening. Yeah, it's, it's January second, I think. And anybody listening to this right now, our, our loyal Wolfpack, they're sick right. fucks too, and that's why they listen to us is because of how demented and dedicated we are to all this. We're already balls deep in a, a mock draft right now, round that's three so and ridiculous. a half in the books. That's what what we're going to be talking about on our next podcast is the round, the first round of that, my grades for those players, all that great stuff coming up. But yeah, like we were talking about, there is no offseason. There's no time to sit and wait. Bill Belichick said it best, you know, um, you know, no days off. That's what his whole quote was. There's no days off here at Roto Street Journal for 2019. We got to get to that title. The coaching yeah. carousels are already starting to spin. We got, you know, huge breaking news on Antonio Brown, all yeah, these situations. And of course, we got a wild playoff situation. So we can talk some real football for a yeah, couple man. minutes. Yeah, man, I definitely want to talk some real football. I mean, as far as no offseason, we, we, I thought about it the other day. We spend two-thirds of the year preparing for that third third of the year. That's pretty exactly. much what we do. That's what we do. Absolutely. And so we're going to be – crush it out of the if, I, you I lose, already, if you lose yeah. next year, just like I lost, I, lost, I lost this year. I had a poor year. The year before, I had a really good year. But I, I lost this year. It wasn't because I wasn't prepared. Just right. think, things didn't go my way. I can't say, man, I didn't know what was going on. I did, and and I got some bad breaks, and I made some couple bad calls. I wish I hadn't made, and I and I didn't have the season I wanted. But we're gonna make sure you guys are informed. We're gonna talk about some real football here. We got four wild card matchups now. Next weekend, not the one coming up now. Next weekend is my favorite weekend of football of the year. That's the one with the yeah. four games, and, and you've got you know all the the, the divisional playoffs. I guess you call them. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a great weekend of football too. The top teams not involved, but listen to these games we got. We got Indy at Houston. We got Seattle at Dallas. We got the Chargers at Baltimore, and we got Philly at the Bears. Uh, I mean, you could see. All four of those games going either way, right? 
Absolutely. This entire playoff picture, really, even when the big guns, you know, the guys on buys get involved, Andy Reid's known to shit his pants. So, like, the, the Chiefs yeah, he, aren't just known to shit his they pants. It's field. true. That's <laughs> a big fucking shit in his pants. My good God, a walrus sized dump for a walrus sized man. You could fertilize uh, a good sized garden with that dump. <laughs> absolutely. So, I mean, even though they have. The MVP most likely on their team and home field yeah, throughout. I wouldn't say there by locks, you know, locks any means to come no, out. Of the you AFC. know, it's funny. All the teams, all the teams that seemed unstoppable for the first twelve weeks, say we saw everybody with serious chinks in the armor the last four absolutely. weeks. Everybody, it's that, cool. That you got to admit, it's pretty cool, right? Chinks in the armor. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love that it's completely wide open. Uh, and for those of you that do playoff fantasy, you know, I know this is more real fantasy, real life football talk. Yeah, we apologize for the for, for the reality check there. Folks. <laughs> we could do that every now and then. But those of you that do playoff leagues, I know we in the past couple of years we've been real big on that. I've been so focused on getting my 2019 rankings and stock scores and all that out that I haven't been able to commit to getting that playoff fantasy. But here's kind of mine and Nat's take on who we see going far. Of course, when you play playoff fantasy, the teams that last longer, you get more games out of your players and they rack up more points. You obviously want the high upside guys that if they get multiple games, like Mahomes, let's say Andy Reid doesn't take a walrus size shit in his pants, then Mahomes would be the the number one pick. No doubt about it. Three potential games out of the MVP. But you got to weigh those factors in. Do you think they're going to be a one and done team? Then that's not as valuable as say three games of Russell Wilson or, or what it might be uh so yeah i'd love to talk some real playoffs for for maybe five six minutes okay so let's talk for a few uh, minutes about this weekend, yeah let's talk about the india houston game how do you see that going down who do you like so I do like Houston this one. I like Houston at home. I saw a really cool stat about Deshaun Watson. He hasn't lost a football game by more than six points uh, since his sophomore year of high school, which blows what? my mind. I, I know. Isn't that crazy? It's not that he hasn't lost, but he hasn't lost by more Are than six points. So he's always down. And I, I didn't go back and research it, but it was on TV, so I imagine that it wasn't wrong. No, they, they you're, I mean, you know, it's not like it. there aren't wrong things stated on TV, but that's a pretty good starting point. I mean, that's – right. I'm, it, I'm I'm blown away by what you just said. I mean, I'm I'm racking my brain. I can't think of any time he got blown out. I mean, they got beat up by the Patriots earlier this year, but they they pulled it close at the end. It was kind of one of those things yeah. where you were like, ah, this it was was not as close as the score said. But you're right, it was less than a touchdown within six. He's always in there. He's always pesky. I, I think Watson kind of balls out at home in front of his Houston crowd, takes it down. Indy, I do like the way Reich's really turned around ever since that. Keep in mind, head. they beat Houston. They broke Houston's mm-hmm. nine game win streak or whatever it was absolutely uh andrew luck playing some of the best ball probably the comeback player of the year uh, that's going to be a great game i think there's going to be a lot of points scored some good defense on both sides of the ball too that I mean, it could go just like any game we're going to say every single one of these could go anyway my prediction is houston wins by three or so and, and a nail bite or a great way to start the weekend what do you think i also i i like houston and i'm going to say this every pick i make i'm kind of cringing as i pick them i mean it's like <laughs> i i like houston in this game I'm not sure I think it's going to be high scoring. I kind of think if it becomes a high scoring game, maybe that favors the Colts, to tell you the Probably, truth. Which, yeah. which surprise, would, I can't believe I'm saying that, given that I thought the Colts were going to go like 3-13 and 13 this year. But, right, uh, and, the, and the recipe to beat him, and Indy already showed it, was big plays, get up early. I mean, that's where T.Y. Hilton came in, 199 yards, 10 catches last time yeah. against Houston. You got to know, obviously, they have the film on him now. They're not going to try to let a repeat destiny happen, but that's the, you know all what playoffs are. Terry Kill for the Chiefs. When you blow the lid off a team early uh, and get that momentum, it's tough to come back from a lot. So Indy could throw a huge haymaker early. They got the weaponry to do it. Uh, that, that would really change the pace of the game. I think Houston controls it for most of it, though. I think 
think I like Houston 21-17, something like okay. that. Nice. Uh, Seattle at Dallas. Uh, I'm liking Seattle. I'm liking yeah. Seattle also. I just I'm don't believe in Dallas. I'm actually liking Seattle for a deep run. I know if they beat Dallas, that means they have to go to the Superdome and win. But if any team on this list for the, the NFC to go into the Superdome and win, I'd have more faith in Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson than anyone else on this list. I actually think they're going to be in for a big run. If I was doing playoff fancy, which I will be this year, I'd be kind of loading up on Seahawks. Russell Wilson, Chris Carson. They obviously just knocked down the, the Chiefs. I, it was at home. I get it. The 12th man was there for him and whatnot. They're going to be on the road this entire playoffs still though i don't love dallas i have no faith in jason garrett i have no faith in that coaching staff i don't think they have a ton of talent i think they can stop zeke on defense just sell out to stop him and they're going to be okay I, I think seattle makes a run and even knocks out uh potentially new orleans next weekend but definitely dallas this weekend that's how i see it going i think that dallas is probably the worst team in the playoffs and i say that mm-hmm. and I, saying that i still think they have a shot of winning this game uh, sure. With that said, I mean, I think Russell Wilson is kind of sneaky, undervalued just in general. I mean, he's he's, he's great. I think he's game. probably like the third best quarterback in the NFL or something right now. And Pete Carroll's probably what third best coach. I mean, he, he's there. up there. I mean, they're, I, I they're both Pete top Carroll. five minimum. I admit it. Yeah. They are. I, I'm going to say uh, Seahawks 31 to 20. Yeah, more battle tested. Just I, yeah, I'm with you there. I think Seattle wins that game and pretty comfortably too. Yeah, I agree. I think they pull away. I think Jason Garrett will stand there like a deer in the headlights, like smiling, he they'll clap a little he'll bit, shake his head. <laughs> like, I went, I went to Princeton. Yeah, um, exactly. All right, uh, Chargers at Baltimore. Who you like? I like Baltimore. It's at home. They have that run game that just grinds it out. I think the Chargers are definitely a better team, but Rivers never seems to get it done on the big stage. As much as I love Rivers, this is not meant to slight him. He's a great quarterback. I love his competitiveness. I love the shit talk. I love all of it. About you love him. the litter of children he has. I love his 95 children. And counting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Absolutely. I I love everything about the guy, but I just don't. I mean, there is like, do the Chargers really lose to Baltimore twice in the same year? The Chargers clearly are a more talented team coming in at, what, 12 and 4. I just, Baltimore playoffs, cold weather, run it on out. Baltimore, to me, as a Patriots fan, is the scariest team in the AFC that I would least want to play. And that includes going to Arrowhead and facing the Chiefs. I'm going to, against my better judgment, pick the Chargers. Just be, and I admit this is more of like a, I would rather watch the Chargers play football than the Ravens. Absolutely. I'm pulling for oh, them. Um, I mean, the Chargers have this explosive offense, but man, they don't blow people out really. And a bunch of these games that they've won down the stretch are kind of games I look at them and I'm like, man, they should have lost. Like when they right. beat, they, then they beat the Chiefs, they should have lost. Like, let's face Absolutely. it, like they had no business winning that game. Um, yep. I'm going to say 24 20. Chargers, but I mean, you know, it could easily go the other way. Same score. And that's my ideal situation, too, is as a Patriots fan, Houston wins out of all the teams that we can face. Oh, sure. Face, you want Houston. I, I would mo- it would be Indy, but we, will, we won't get them because the, the lowest seeding whatnot. So Houston. I'd be more far. scared of Indy in a way than Houston. I feel like you got Houston's number. Maybe, right. Yeah. No, I think Houston, we have their number. They come into Gillette. They're not going to win. Uh, as man, good as J.J. Deshaun Watt, Watt looks pretty playing. good these days. Yeah, but he's he always shits his pants in the big games, too. Because, you know, speaking of every common theme tonight is people shitting their pants in big games. Um, uh, but no, I, I would much rather see Houston win that, so that way we don't have Baltimore or the Chargers come into Foxborough, especially yeah. Baltimore. We, Baltimore is the team that would scare the shit out of me the most uh, coming there. But I hope Houston wins. I hope Baltimore goes in and maybe knocks off, or uh, I'd even rather the Chargers go in, knock off the Chiefs, and then it becomes Pats, no, Chargers, and Gillette. That would be disgusting. That, um, and that really could, I mean, it, it totally could happen. Could happen. Uh, any of these scenarios could happen. None of these are far-fetched that we're saying no. at all. 
I think that I'll tell you somebody who is not known for shitting his pants in big games. Deshaun big Watson. Deshaun <laughs> Watson is not. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, I know up. you got their number, but beating beating them in week one is not is that's not really a you know a big game situation. I you know Deshaun Deshaun's a big game player. Yeah, he is. He, he has is. He's established that. Right, I love he balls out, but I feel yeah. like they, even when he balls out, like he'll keep him c- close, and then they still lose. Like that game against Seattle last year. You think year. they'll just double team Hopkins the whole time? I mean, he's he is. They might as well. Speaking right? of big dick guys, I mean Shoot, Hopkins has got a, you know he's got two hands and a, a dick with like five fingers. So I mean mm-hmm. he catches just about everything. Um, right. Speaking of big dicks, and we were Nick Foles, <laughs> big dick Nick, huge uh, going into Soldier Field. You know. This is the game I feel the most confident about, and I think the Bears are going to win. But, man, like it's not like if the Eagles didn't win behind Big Dick Nick, I couldn't say, like, well, yeah, I mean, all the signs were pointing to this happening again. I like, right. the, I like the Bears by, like, 10, probably. I, I mean, I want to say I like the Bears, but after last year's run, it, it's crazy. That, that you know, 16 Eagles under Nick Foles, I'm more scared of them with Foles than I would have ever been with Wentz. I, I think Chicago pulls out. That defense is so strong. The, the weapons all over. I love Nagy. Just a great coach. But first-year coach, first-year as the head coach in the playoffs, I, I mean, I can see Peterson have his number. I'm I'm going to lean Eagles here. I think the Eagles upset them. I think both NFC teams on the road are upsets, and that sets up Seattle uh, facing off the Rams, uh, which I would take Seattle for, and then Philly going to the Superdome. I would say that, that that's where that magical slipper kind of comes off, and in the Superdome they lose. And the what about the Super Bowl? Who do you think ends up making it all the way? Oh, out of both, both God, this is so hard. It, I it mean, is, it's so hard. I mean, I you know, I guess I, I like the Saints in the NFC. I mean, which I know is a boring pick, but... But I, I guess odds on, I like them. Give them maybe like a 40%, 50% chance to come out at all the teams in that. And, man, I would say we're looking at like a Patriots-Chiefs coin flip. Okay. You know, and I mean, I look, I know this is – I'm not the only guy to say this, and I, I know you probably know this. This Patriots team is not a great team. but no. But they could easily find themselves back in the Super Bowl. Now well, I could, that, I could see them going to the Super Bowl and getting their asses fucking kicked by the Saints or something like mm-hmm. that. I could definitely see that happening, but you never know. You can't count them out. Yeah, my my road. What I think is going to happen? I think Seattle somehow comes out of the NFC. They win on the road three straight games. I just for whatever reason I'm high on them. I love that I like Sunday them. night game uh, and just Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, and I think the Patriots. Everything goes perfect for them. Houston wins. We get Houston next week at home. We take care of business. I think the Chargers or Ravens, whoever it is, goes into Arrowhead. Andy Reid again, humongous dump in the pants, and whatever team is on the road upsets them. So we get then another home. Home game Patriots end up taking care of business Ravens would scare me more but even you know that deep into the playoffs I would not want to face the Ravens in the the wild whatever the divisional round that would scare me even more uh, but you know AFC championship I think the Patriots take care of business we go it's Seattle Patriots rematch from a couple seasons ago and I don't even know who I take in that one because like you said this is yeah, not the I, Patriots I don't know team. who I, I would pick in that one either I really don't but, I would consider that a, I think all these games are coin flips um, it's gonna be awesome, I think if the Saints though, and the so Patriots excited. play in the Super Bowl, I, I will pick the Saints pretty confidently. But Saints are uh, Patriots, Seahawks, man, I don't know. Uh, anyway, and Patriots right? at Kansas City, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll that see. would be tough. Going into that the would era, be, tough. be I'm, tough. I'm looking forward to seeing how this stuff shakes out. All right, yeah, we got. We're going to talk coaching carousel because there are a lot of folks that lost their jobs come Absolutely. Monday. Um, and honestly, just about all of them fucking deserved it. 
Mm-hmm. So <laughs> let's talk about the openings that are out there. Um, the Bengals, the Jets, the Bucks, the Cardinals, Broncos, Dolphins, Browns, and Packers. Those jobs are all open. Some of those firings obviously happened, you know, with a few games left in the se- uh, season. Mike McCarthy mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, mercifully let go before the year ended. Cardinals coach, I don't even remember when he was fired, but it was sometime. Um, <laughs> anyway, Marvin Lewis finally gets the hook. Absolutely, After 16 right? years. And, you know, it's like... No, nobody can say, man, they didn't give Marvin Lewis a chance. They gave him a right. chance. They gave him, they gave him the old college try. When, when Marvin Lewis uh, started coaching, I think I was a first-year teacher. So Crazy. Maybe second-year teacher. I don't know. It was a long-ass time ago. Very long time ago. I lived in Virginia. I know. Um, <laughs> and, and what I would like to do now, you, you listed off the teams. I want to kind of go in order of what I consider the most intriguing from a fantasy. This fantasy is obviously a fantasy-centric podcast. We just did a little bit of NFL real talk. You guys know who we thinks going to the Super Bowl. So make your playoff picks around us because we're never wrong, of course. Uh, but, yeah, I think there's tons of fantasy juice at the top of this list. There's three teams in particular. Uh, I think it's uh, two teams that are at the top. I think there's three, and, and I'll justify the third one, which you probably don't agree with. Uh, there's definitely two, though. Everyone's kind of in agreement for that. Are we talking about the? Are we talking Packers Browns? Absolutely. I I consider that tier above everybody else. A hundred percent. And Packers would be my number one, just because they're still a little more established. They still have Aaron Rodgers. He's still great. Absolutely. Rogers is still unbelievable. As much as I hate the guy, as much as he needs everyone to know how hurt he is and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Do you think he uh, needed everyone to know that concussion that he got in that oh meaningless game? I don't what mean, a what a, concussion. Are you fucking kidding me? Dude, he looked, no he way. looked, he went to the hospital in an ambulance. Did he? he yeah, I, I, I think oh, so. I, he was just, I, I think I, he, think I really, he I think he got lit like, up. I don't dude. feel like playing today. That was so stupid of them to play him. What were they doing? Nah, you should, especially with Devonte Adams. Like, there's no reason for him out there. But you look at the Packers. You mean you got Rodgers, number one. That's where you start. And an, an unbelievable quarterback, still in his prime, established. So you know there's going to be fancy fireworks there all day long. So getting an explosive, you know, sneaky offensive mind in there would do wonders for fantasy because you got Devonte Adams, the number one fantasy receiver on the year in points per game. Tyreek Hill actually ended up taking that title in the last week. Remember Odell Beckham versus Tyreek Hill? Yeah. Uh, number one for a fantasy receiver was Tyreek Hill this year. So well done that. Uh, I know you you were all over that. You're all about Tyreek Hill. I didn't see a number one season coming. I got shit on pretty good when I said that. Not by yeah. you. You were like, oh, that's like, I don't agree, but that's intriguing. He's got high upside. But there was like, I remember Tyreek. CJ specifically um, on a Facebook post, like when I when I said that and he put the post of us talking, I remember his comment. He was like, no, Watkins is going to take too much work from him or something like that. Right, exactly. Nope, <laughs> I never forget, CJ. Um, but yeah, no, the, pa- the Packers, clearly the most explosive, already established talent, where the Browns, obviously on the rise, tons of intriguing pieces there. Uh, some names that have been li- linked to the Packers so far, obviously interim head coach Joe Philbin, he has some support from Rodgers Adams, you know that's going to go a long way, but that would be boring to me. Josh McDaniels, on his as his every year, is linked to offensive needed teams, and, and I mean, that'd be intriguing. He's obviously been with the Patriots and seen some huge success. How much of that's Brady and Belichick versus him is debatable. I thought he was a horrendous head coach with the Broncos. I don't really get the McDaniels hype. I don't think he'd do. I mean, if he goes to the Packers, that's the one place I could see him succeeding because he has such an established veteran QB and weapons around him. Uh, They've also been linked to the other Patriots coordinator, Brian Flores, looking at a defensive minded guy. Um, One name that did intrigue me, and I never know why this guy is not tossed around more often, is Pete Carmichael of the Saints. Their offensive coordinator never seems to get interviews for head coach jobs, but they've been linked to the Packers as well. Uh, I mean, it's because 
because Sean Payton obviously calls all the plays. He's the wizard there. Uh, but when you're playing under this guy, coaching under this guy for so long, you obviously learn quite a bit from this genius mind. So I think Carmichael has a great uh, you know resume and could do wonders there with um, Aaron Rodgers. So I'd love to see that. Matt LaFleur, the other guy, looking for the next Sean McVay. He played, he coached under Sean McVay, coached under Shanahan. Uh, he's with the Titans. Didn't do amazing things this year, but obviously comes from an impressive lineage. So those are some of the names linked to, to the Packers. I'd really like to see Carmichael or maybe even McDaniels go there as some bright offensive minds. All right, let's talk about the Browns because yes. that's the sexy job. It's funny like that now that's a sexy job. I mean, and I, I get it. I see why it is. I mean, look at the pieces they got. We're talking fantasy. They got Baker who, I mean, I got to admit, I, it's not like I, I thought Baker would suck, but I didn't think he should have been the number one pick. Now I really do think he should have been the number one pick. Yeah. I mean, I think he was the right call. I'm, I'm impressed that they got it right. I'm also impressed that I got it wrong so much because I just didn't see it. But you can see it when the guy plays. He, I mean, I, I I see the downsides of Baker. Like it's not yeah. it's not like he's you know he's not John Elway. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Aaron Rodgers. Like he's definitely a little high maintenance, maybe a lot high maintenance, uh, and he's kind of an idiot sometimes. But he's a really yeah. good, he's a really good football player. He's an accurate passer. Although he did blow that pass. I mean, he had a pass to Jarvis Landry that probably would have won him that game. And uh, mm. you know the Steelers would be in the playoffs right now, and they'd be dangerous. Right. Um, but I, he, oh, he threw behind him. But anyway, Baker's been good. Nick Chubb, real good. You yeah. have to be an ass wipe not to believe in Nick Chubb. Um, right. <laughs> I just saw a tweet where it about <laughs> right, exactly. Real ass cloud, right? Uh, <laughs> great, great call out. Um, but I, I just saw a tweet, and we're going to talk about both of these guys later in, in terms of the four must-monitor off-season storylines. This is the all, you know, your off-season primer, what we're talking about, coaching carousel. And these two guys, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Uh, Le'Veon Bell tweeted at Antonio Brown, said, where are we linking up, brother? Jarvis Landry comments and goes, it's been, it's been a while. Let's get a three-time FaceTime going right now. Uh, so imagine that, Le'Veon on Bell. I mean, I know Nick Chubb's amazing, so I, I don't know if they'd go all the way out to go get Levy on Bell. But Antonio Brown makes perfect sense with oh, okay. Jarvis Landry being more of a complimentary guy. Uh, does, runs a limited route tree. Antonio Brown does it all, so that would be unbelievable if you link up those two. Baker would be instantly a top six fantasy quarterback, kind of that. Pat Mahomes of this year, the, the guy would go all in as a, a oh, round. If he got 10 Antonio guy. Brown, if he got Antonio Brown, I mean, he'd he'd have way more hype. Almost and steam anybody that got Antonio Brown would be like a top six fantasy I, quarterback. I can't wait. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, but in terms of the Browns' job, I mean, Greg Williams came in, and as much as I I shit on the guy in the past, he really brought some focus, some aggressiveness to this team. They played smarter. They they took more shots. Uh, it's hard not to be more disciplined than a Hugh Jackson team. But he's gotten a shot at the interview. It is hard. You know, Fred. <laughs> Eddie Kitchens, their offensive coordinator, who's really shown a good rapport with Baker uh, and just overall a bright offensive mind. I hope he stays in that offensive coordinator at minimum, uh, but they're also talking about him as a potential head coach. I think that would be a, a pretty extreme jump, but interesting piece. The guy I don't want to see there, Mike McCarthy, strong relationship with Jorsey. I just think that would be a boring, you know, no, just no upside guy but there. You know, who, was, you, you know whose name I've heard uh, yeah. in connection to the Cleveland job? Bruce who's Arians. That? Yeah, and that's the one. Bruce Arians came out and said the only way I'd come back would be to go to the Browns. Now they haven't said. He also said he might be interested in the Bucks. That we'll talk about Bucks in a second too. Absolutely, I would love to see Bruce Arians though as a fantasy lover, uh, just back into the NFL. It would be unbelievable. I think he's going to come back. 
the perfect spot. I, I hope he comes back, and I think the Browns would be ideal. A young quarterback to groom, uh, a great running back with multidimensional ability, and, and Nick Chubb. We know what he did with David Johnson. Uh, Nick Chubb would shoot up right into my first round if if that's the case. He's already right on the hinge of it, too. Uh, so, yeah, I would absolutely love if Bruce Arians goes here, especially I mean, Antonio Brown, who he worked with in, in Pittsburgh. Maybe that makes that move happen even more. They would be a monster if they got Antonio Brown and Bruce Arians. It would be unbelievable. I would, I'm coming right now thinking about it. Um, <laughs> the only other name I'm intrigued with, they, they talked about Flores and Eberflus, uh, you know, defensive coordinator for the Colts. So two defensive-minded guys as fancy owners toss them out. We don't need to talk about them. But Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator for the Colts, uh, came from the Chiefs as their wide receiver. I mean, uh, the um, fucking Chargers as their wide receiver coach. He, he's an intriguing guy. He's kind of the, that hot coach right now that they're thinking, is this the next, you know, Sean McVay, this offensive coordinator, coach with Frank Reich, who was obviously with the Eagles and, and had some explosive attacks. Sirianni, a name that's very interesting choice to come in uh, as their coordinator and their head coach interview, would be very intrigued if he gets that job, other than Bruce Arians, of course, would be my number one there. All right, uh, we're obviously not going to spend as long on all these teams no, as we did on these guys, but I, but I mean, I want you to, I want you to take a little bit of time and sell me on the third team in your top tier. Cause like I said, I see this as a two team tier. You see it as a three team tier. You like the Tampa Bay bucks at the bottom of that tier. Absolutely. I just really like the talent that they have there. I don't love Jameis Winston. I don't think he's ever going to win a super bowl or anything of that nature. But he's got a Ken. He showed some real progression by the end of this year with his decision-making. Much more careful with the ball, which I love to see. You got Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson probably on his way out, but I love Chris Godwin as a long-term talent. Adam Humphrey's a free agent, so see where he goes. If Todd Munkin remains there too, an unbelievable offense corner. I'm very intrigued to see where that guy goes as well. I just think the Bucks have, have enough around him, a burgeoning offensive line, uh, a defense with a lot of talent that just couldn't get it right. I would My ideal for the Bucks, and they're, they're linked to a lot of interesting names, uh, my ideal would be a defensive-minded guy goes there. Todd Munkin stays, do, doesn't get the boot. Uh, so they're talking about guys, uh, you know, um, George Edwards, who was the Vikings defensive coordinator. Um, and then Bruce Arians, of course, though. The, the other guy I would love to see go there is is rumored um, to be interested in that job. Said Jameis Winston, fun to coach. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and he would listen to the Bucks if they inquired. And it sounds like they are uh, going to be interested in inquiring about him. So I would love, again, anywhere Bruce Arians goes, I think fantasy magic falls. I think Mike Evans would flourish with that guy. The running back, you know, Peyton Barber, not all that exciting. But you imagine with some interesting free agent backs, you got Mark Ingram, you, you know, uh, you got Tevin Coleman, some explosive guys there. I mean, obviously, Le'Veon Bell, the, if he goes there, would be ridiculous, especially with Bruce Arians, who makes absolute work of David Johnson. I mean, what he would do with Le'Veon Bell with the Bucks. And my guy, I hadn't even considered that situation, and now I'm getting all revved up in my bedroom right now. Uh, I would love to see, you know, a defensive-minded guy there and keep Todd Munkins in place or Bruce Arians, of course. Yeah, I just I'm I'm not convinced that they belong in the same tier as those maybe top not. Two maybe teams. it's like a, a one and a half or a two by themselves type of tier. I guess not. You know, when I now they talk about it, it's I not mean, who's Aaron throwing Williams. the ball. It's like, not Baker Mayfield. Yeah, it's Jameis Winston, and he's definitely a significant step below. But I like I mean I like their receiving talent more than either yeah. Of those I mean I've heard Jackson wants out. I mean, which yeah. is like who cares? But right. you know, I don't I don't know. The running back situation's obviously not great, but like you said, they could pick somebody up. Maybe it could change. I think they're an intriguing option. I don't put them with those other guys, but I do put them third. I mean, I put them third right. on this list. So let's talk about the second tier. You got the Bengals and the Jets. Um, 
what what puts them below these teams? What puts them above the guys that are the seller dwellers? Uh, so, I mean, what puts them below is just there's not a ton of overall talent. I think the Bengals, I mean, you got Andy Dalton, you got Joe Mixon, you got A.J. Green. You got some very intriguing pieces. I guess tier two, I, I think them and the Bucks are very comparable now that I'm weighing it out and talking about it. I think all three of those pieces are very intriguing offensive weapons there. But A.J. Green just can't stay healthy, and that obviously is a huge detriment. That I mean, Tyler Boyd, too. My God, he, he really emerged this year. So there's tons of intriguing pieces there uh, with the Bengals. So, yeah, I think maybe they belong in the, the same tier as the box and maybe the jets below them. Uh, some names linked to the Bengals though is what, what has me real nervous about these guys is we're talking about Hugh Jackson, potentially being their head coach, maybe Vance Joseph, who just got fired by the Broncos and showed no offensive prowess, no prowess at all as a head coach. I don't like the names really being linked with them. One team that one name that I am very intrigued by though, that I really hope they explore Eric. Uh, I don't even know how you pronounce it. Being It's the, the chiefs offensive coordinator, whoever it is. I uh, was with the Bengals back in the day of 95 to 98. So he has some history with Mike Brown and there's just a, a real good track record right now of Andy Reid's offensive coordinators. You see Matt Nagy this year going out there and really balling out and getting their team on a good offensive track. I can see someone like that really maximizing these weapons would love to see something of that nature. And the jets, I mean, in terms of real life coaching opportunities, I think that's one of, if not the best, you got Sam Darnold who looks like he's got all those traits of a potential franchise quarterback. Yeah, by far the most cap space in the league. You had a high draft pick. So if I was a head coach just trying to build a team, I think that would be maybe the most intriguing place. As a fantasy, you know, they don't have a ton to work with. There. You got Darnold, Robbie Anderson showed a big dick you know, for that stretch run. but Briefly. He's not, yeah, it's very brief and flashy. There's no running back of note crawl. I imagine the only reason I have this as five is you got to imagine they're bringing some people. Maybe that's where Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell land together. Something of that nature. They have the, the equipment and the cap space and, and the draft capital to make some huge splashes. So ranking them at that height is clearly not a reflection on the current roster because they'd be you know down there with the Dolphins at the bottom if it was just their current roster. I think they have the, the firepower, though, to make some big moves for whoever ends up coming there. And I like that the, one of the most linked guys to them right now, Todd Munkin, who I just raved about with the Bucks, loves to push it deep, has great, you know, he made Ryan Fitzpatrick a star this off this season. So this guy's a great tracker with the quarterbacks. He's very confident, loves an aggressive game, knows how to make his playmakers feel well and comfortable. I would love to see Todd Munkin go there. Cardinals, Broncos, Dolphins, that's your Tier 3 garbage pile. Oh. I mean, yeah. yeah, my poor Broncos. What's going right. on, man? I know. I mean, Crumble. look at them. They're the seventh out of eighth most appealing job. I mean, this is like a, a you know, consistently winning franchise. Not the last two years, but I mean, you know, they're they're considered a really good organization. Man, yeah. they've been bad lately. I know. There just isn't much to build around right there. I mean, Philip Lindsay obviously showed some real. Losing Emmanuel Sanders killed them. Emmanuel, I couldn't I know, believe exactly. how bad that, that I mean that that just completely seemed to shut their whole offense down. And that was a brutal injury. So who knows? He's a little bit older. Who knows if he comes back to form? Uh, you got to have another wide receiver around him. And there's not a good wide receiver class this year in terms of free agency. There's just not a lot to love. They're going to lose Valdir and free agency most likely on the offensive line. They're already a pretty weak unit. Uh, there's just not a lot to love there. I mean, Philip Lindsay, the only talent of note from a fantasy perspective, unless Sanders is fully healthy. Of course, he, he makes some magic too. And the Cardinals, you're looking at David Johnson, of course, uh, historically top five 
track record this year blue uh but if you got frozen maybe he takes the next step maybe they beef up the line a bit and dj can kind of have a resurgence with the right coach maybe that happens but there's not a ton of intrigue there with the dolphins i mean what what's there to get excited about there there's literally nothing uh, i mean broncos the only thing you get really excited about is that defense they still got plenty of talent there so that as a fantasy player that doesn't matter at all to us though so yeah it's just, it's just nothing there that other than that you know david johnson there's no one in there that I'm like, I need to know who goes there as a, a fantasy owner. It, none of it really matters to me that much right now. I agree with you wholeheartedly on your – really on your whole order of, of your eight. I just don't think the Bucks belong in the first tier. But I, gotcha. I but I But I believe in I believe in the order you have. I think you're you're I, pretty much right down the, down the thing. The more I talk about the Bengals, like maybe I put them above the Bucks too. Those three key fantasy pieces and Joe mm-hmm. Mixon and RB1. Let's not AJ get carried Green, away with the Bengals. Dinged up wide receiver one and then let's, Andy Dalton. Yeah. No, the, I know. There's so let's, much let's, to come. Let's, let's, let's pump the brakes. Yeah, um, but, but – I like them just as much about as the Bucks. I would right, say. Let's and talk then, about yeah. let's talk about the five most important storylines to monitor. Because I trimmed a, it to four because I knew okay, this well, was even better. Practice. Four, even better. We'll trim it to four. Right, I know Mark Ingram, yeah. free agency status, and and the reason we bring this up is not necessarily because Mark Ingram is going to land somewhere and become just this amazing impact player. I mean, he's good. He's a good <laughs> running back, but it's actually. Uh, what it would do for Alvin Kamara if he takes off and leaves because his numbers, Kamara's, I mean, without Ingram, uh, you know, suiting up are staggering. Ridiculous. Like staggering is maybe the only word that describes it. Just unbelievable, ungodly numbers. So with Ingram, his pace, 229 touches, 76 of those being receptions, 1,503 total yards, 711 of those being receiving yards, 15 TDs. A very good season. That's An RB1 season, yeah. 277 total fantasy points, 17.31 per game for half PPR. And that makes him an easily, easily top 10 overall guy. Yeah, solid guy. 315 in full, 19.69 in, in per game for full point PPR. Good numbers, even with Ingram there. But when you get to the totals without Ingram, and I will preface it, I get that even if Ingram goes away, they're going to replace him. And, you know, Peyton does typically use a committee. I get that. Yeah, but, but the hell, odds are some- they're not going to replace him with somebody quite like Ingram. Ingram's better than your average uh, exactly. number two running Most back like. on a team. He absolutely Unless they is. draft someone first round and it's like the number two running back prospect. Ingram's going to be better than that. And, I mean, you look at Christian McCaffrey and everyone's saying this guy couldn't be a workhorse and he led the league in snaps. It was a ridiculous snap pace. So I won't rule out the fact that Alvin Kamara could become a workhorse. And if he is, and he acted as a workhorse in those games without Ingram, and these numbers just blow your mind. We have a great visual from our guy Taylor uh, that shows it better than my voice might show. But my good God, listen to this. 360 touches, 140 of them being receptions. Ridiculous. 2,396 total yards with 1,344 of those being receiving. I mean, that's a wide receiver one. 140 catches, 1,344 yards. Ridiculous wide receiver one in addition to the rushing. And then 24 total TDs. And this is a big one, 20 of them being rushing, where Mark Ingram obviously did a ton of his damage is the vulture role, the the big bruising back. When Kamara was there, he was very efficient at the stripe, got it done well, and if he has that opened up, would be huge. Now, get, get a number of this, and I'll put it into perspective for you. Uh, that's 454 half PPR fantasy points, 28.35 per game. That's 524 full PPR points, 32 points per game. And if you if you need that in perspective, Ladanian Tomlinson on that historic, ridiculous 31 touchdown, 2,323 yard, 56 reception year 
was 474 points. So 50, 50 points, points less. less than Alvin Kamara. 50 points less than what Alvin Kamara was doing this year when Mark Ingram wasn't in line. I mean, we've got Pat Mahomes on the mind. He was 417, 26.1 points per game. That's a touchdown less than what Alvin Kamara was doing when Mark Ingram wasn't in the lineup. Marshall Falk, ridiculous season. 409 PPR points. Still uh, over 100 less than what Kamara was doing this year. It's just absurd. Todd Gurley, you know, a season winner two years ago was 383, almost 200 points less than what Kamara was doing without Ingram. So obviously, 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 whatever happens to Mark Ingram is crucial to monitor and how they replace him, if, if they do replace him, for Alvin Kamara's 2019 stats. He'd be a number one overall potential pick if no adequate replacement is made there. All right, I'm convinced we should watch that storyline. And speaking <laughs> of storylines to watch, uh, the Chiefs running back value hole um, I said to you, I don't know, maybe I feel like it was maybe week eight or something in the season that like after Gurley and maybe one other guy, Kareem Hunt's the guy I would take before anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Like, uh, you know, with the Chiefs offense, what this guy was able to do, um, yep. he's gone. Who knows if we'll <laughs> ever see him again in an NFL uniform? Who knows? Um, but I mean, the the fact is you put a good guy in that spot. And, you know, they could absolutely blow up. You put an average guy in that spot, and they're still an RB1 probably. Absolutely. I mean, we've been seeing that lately with Damian Williams. We talk about running back value holes, and obviously it doesn't get bigger than this. You got Pat Mahomes-led offense that lives in the red zone, that Andy Reid scheme that relies heavily on one featured back. Uh, Before Kareem Hunt, the the running back won there, averaged 20.8 opportunities per game and 19.5 fantasy points off of that. Uh, And that was that Kareem Hunt comes in and did even better than those numbers. So that's rising in the, in the, the time span. And that's because the setup is so good. The line's solid. Obviously, again, that offense so explosive and, and so dependent on one running back. Damien Williams comes in. Uh, the average talent, like you said, puts up 17, 27.3, 21.9. And then in a half of a game, 12.4, uh, in his four starts in Kareem Hunt's absence, he was the running back three from weeks 14 through 16 in your fantasy play. 21.9 points per game, six TDs in those four weeks because of how explosive this attack is. So clearly, this is one of the most crucial storylines to track. Cream Hunt and Damian Williams combined for 295 fantasy points if you took all their starts together. That was more than Ezekiel Elliott, folks. A running back five that would have combined for. So whether it's Damian Williams, you know, mediocre, more explosive than I give him credit for. I thought he was a huge talent like Le'Veon Bell there, Mark Ingram or something of that nature. Whoever goes there, if it's a clear-cut guy, I don't care who it is, is going to be a running back one and going to be a top 15 shoe-in pick. So we need to know who's filling that running back value hole. All right, this one's obvious. Le'Veon Bell, where does he end up? I mean, you know, the and, and this is more so, I mean, I'm just curious on many different levels about this. Where is he going to go? Is he going to be anywhere near what he was with the Steelers somewhere else? I mean, obviously, he's got talent. He's got real talent. He's a a great pass catcher. He's a very, very good runner. But that Steelers offense, I mean, mean, James Conner was great in it. You know, Mm -hmm. and and he's really good, too. But it's like, I am skeptical that Le'Veon Bell, who, as you know, would have probably been my number one pick had he been available in the draft this last year. I'm skeptical he will be that somewhere else. I really am. Yeah, and I'm with you. I, I fully agree. The the surrounding situation in Pittsburgh's as good as it gets. That's why James Conner, who is a 
a good hard runner, a solid talent, but not nothing spectacular, was able to be the number six running back despite missing three games. I mean, that setup is as gorgeous as it gets. A full workhorse workload with explosive talent all around him and scoring chances, uh, you know, all game. It's unbelievable. So Le'Veon Bell, yeah, it's not going to get better than Pittsburgh unless he goes to say the Chiefs, which, which we just were talking about that running back value. That would be the one no, spot that, that be could be even back. I mean, my God, think about that offense with Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Le'Veon Bell, Pat Mahomes as the engine of it all. Maybe they Holy pick up fuck. Antonio Brown too. Yeah, why not? Let's throw Antonio Brown in for good measure, my good God. Uh, but that's probably a pipe dream, even though they have a good contract for Pat Mahomes right now and Tyree Kill. They have a ton of defensive woes. I don't imagine out and drop all that money to get Levy on Bell, but a boy can dream, right? I mean, that'd be amazing. Maybe the only spot other than Pittsburgh that would be good for like, as good as Pittsburgh for his value, unless you know, Todd Gurley wasn't with the Rams. It's the one other setup that's incredible. Uh, but where could he go and still be a clear-cut no-brainer running back one? Probably wherever he lands, because you're gonna you're not shelling out. He's asking for 15 million, 45 million guaranteed or more. So you're not gonna shell out that money to not use this guy 30 times a game. So wherever he goes, the volume will be there, the talent will be there. We just hope the surrounding talent and the coaching scheme match how high level that will be uh some spaces where it could be the texans such a run heavy offense lamar miller is so vanilla uh, they love throwing to the running back and he does nothing with the passes he catches so that, that would be unbelievable deshaun watson hopkins and Le'Veon bell that would be an unbelievable trio the colts is where Le'Veon bell has said he wants to go he's already said i have my eyes on them sees andrew lux he's the cap room uh wants to go somewhere he can win right away so that would be an unbelievable. Yeah, obviously, land. he wants to play with Jack Doyle. Of course, the beanstalk himself. Uh, unfortunately, he wouldn't want to be the smallest penis on the the roster when you got Jack Doyle next year. But still, he'd accept that to play with Andrew sure, Luck. It'd be worth a it. Winning offense. I know Marlon Mack, Naeem Hines, great pieces. Marlon Mack, especially this year, really impressed me. I was much. I was not nearly as high as I should have been on that guy. Still, it's not Le'Veon Bell. If Le'Veon Bell comes, he's going to get 20, 25 touches. Colts would be a cool spot for him for sure. And the Ravens, uh, just so run-heavy, a good offensive line, get that revenge narrative of going from the Chiefs to a division rival. Uh, they they would make great use of that that receiving ability as well. Greg Roman, very run-heavy guy. You got Lamar Jackson at QB, that dual threat opening the back cut lanes. I think that would be a great spot. And just speculation-wise, let's say the the 49ers, you know, they loaded up on the Kenan Giddy's got like the fifth highest running back contract next year but they maybe they cut ties Le'Veon Bell that patience that vision would be the absolute perfect fit and the pass catching ability nonetheless for Kyle Shanahan's zone blocking scheme there's not a better fit out there than what Le'Veon Bell would be there loaded with cap space I think the 49ers if they were willing to part with McKinnon after going all in on him would be an unbelievable landing spot for Le'Veon Bell I'm sure they'd be willing to part with McKinnon if Le'Veon Bell was willing to go there. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, let's talk about Antonio Brown, he who shows up to practice in a helicopter. I mean, you know, I I never want to diss Antonio Brown because, A, he retweeted something from the Rose Street Journal very early in our existence, which I'm I'm sure you remember. I mean, from that, you know, based based on the beginning of of the Rose Street Journal, I assumed we would just be, like, rubbing elbows with all the all pros in the NFL. Like, from that (laughs) on, because I was like, five tweets? I mean, how many tweets have we had since then? And, like, like, you know, one of the biggest scores we've had since then is when Cortland Finnegan wanted to fight us. Um, but but Antonio Brown, I, I love Antonio Brown. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like I don't see just this massive diva in him, and and it's not like I don't see problems. He's Absolutely. an unbelievable receiver. I mean, the guy right now is probably 
I mean, if I'm being honest, he's probably a top five, top six all-time NFL receiver right yeah. now. So he's amazing. But it <laughs> seems like his time in Pittsburgh might be running out. We'll see. I saw some reports today where it's like uh, he didn't re- request a trade. Seems like it might be time to get rid of this guy in Pittsburgh. What do you think? Yeah, the rumors are that he's been disgruntled. He kind of quit on his team in Week 17. They said it was a knee injury. It was But then a lot of teammates say he stormed out, threw a ball at Big Big Ben, and just wasn't seen from nobody. They tried to reach out to him, and nobody could get a hold of him. Uh, and then he shows up and expected to play Sunday. And when they said no, he left at halftime. So seems disgruntled. Seems like Mike Tomlin's really lost complete control of that locker room. And if he wants to get it back, he has to get rid of this guy. Uh, and there's you know earlier tweets that the cap space wouldn't work out. It'd be a $21 million cap hit. But then when people dug in and realized, uh, I don't understand cap. I don't get that stuff. But the, all these tweets came out afterwards that nothing cap-wise would be the, the reason to stop them. Uh, and that all these tea leaves are kind of leading up to Tomlin saying, certainly when asked if there's a point, talent becomes not worth it. Tomlin being very blunt and saying, you know, I, I did not appreciate this. Uh, there's a there's disappointment. There's no denying that. He's been pretty open that this is not an okay situation. And I would expect him to be gone. And if he is, like you said, a generational talent, a top six all-time guy would become available for trade still in the prime. I mean, he's 31, but I think he's got at least three to four great years great, left in football. He had a great season. He had 600-yard yeah. reception seasons in a row. That's a record. No one's ever done that before. Unbelievable. Uh, and so I, I imagine he's played his last snap in Pittsburgh, which would be – Huge news for what's left behind. It's now wide receiver seven in my 2019 big board, which will be coming out momentarily. Uh, but let's speculate. Where could Antonio Brown go? What would be some of the ideal landing spots? Well, here's one that he's already tweeted about. George Kittle tweets him and says, sup, AB84. And Antonio Brown replies with an emoji with star faces all over it. So he wants to go there. San Fran clearly, I mean, the top of their target totem pole is Marquise Goodwin, who's clearly not a number one wide receiver. Uh, obviously, we got Pierre Garçon completely washed up but this is the 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 kyle shanahan he's from the tree the shanahan x pepper target hog guy pierre garçon led the league in targets multiple times under this guy this is pierre garçon you give him antonio brown who can work every layer of the field run the entire route tree to perfection the unbelievable sideline artistry the ridiculous hands everything Uh, he would catch 130 balls under kyle shanahan so i am praying he goes to san fran you get jimmy g back you got Kittle, you have McKinnon back. Uh, I would really be all about the 49ers next year. Antonio Brown goes there. Definitely a, a number one receiver in his own right, but they play completely different games. Perfect complementary style football, T.Y. Hilton, Antonio Brown. That, that would be an amazing fit. Frank Reich loves the intermediate range, the West Coast style, run after the catch. That's all Antonio Brown's style of route tree. I think he would fit perfectly with Andrew Luck under Frank Reich as well. That would be a unbelievable spot. And then the Browns, as we mentioned, Jarvis Landry tweeting at him and saying, let's get Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown here. Uh, he'd be the true number one. Jarvis Landry is an unbelievable intermediate guy. 
works out of the slot like no other and dominates that side of the field, but he is limited in what he can do. Antonio Brown's limitless. He can stretch the field. He can work the short game. He can work the screens. He can do it all. Uh, so he would be give that Browns team and Baker Mayfield that true number one uh, and really just fit in perfect there. There's lots of other teams that just have tons of target shares available. Uh, you know, the Panthers, they don't really have a clear cut guy. The Lions and Stafford, I mean, that might be a nice duo. We saw what Stafford did with, with Calvin Johnson. And then you're looking at, you know, the Raiders and Derek Carr, ugh, Miami has tons of targets. Jaguars have tons of targets. Even the Bears have a lot, but none of those really stand out to me as anything I'd, I'd love to see. San Fran or Indy or, or Cleveland would be the best spots for sure. And if he goes, again, Juju would be ridiculous next year as, as Big Ben's just clear-cut number one. And James Washington now stepping into that number two role. Didn't even think of that, but that would give him tons of sleeper appeal as well. All right, keep an eye on those four, and there's a lot more, by the way. We're going to be here in the, the entire off season. Yeah, those are the most about all this stuff. We got tons, yeah, free agency, tons of stuff, and it's a free, it's a, it's a pretty weak free agency receiver class. It I is. Meant to Golden Tate. Uh, yeah, Larry Fitz, Adam Humphreys, John Brown, Tyrell Williams, the top names. So, I mean, Antonio Brown's services will be sought after by teams that need wide receivers. Uh, I expect a move to happen. So there's not a ton more else, but those are the four huge storylines where you know, fantasy just values will go completely through the roof and down through the cracks. And all, those are the ones that are going to cause the earthquakes in the, the rotosphere for sure this offseason. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. You got any social media you want to pump to start out season four? Of course. If you don't already, you got to follow rotostreetjournal.com. All our social media is Roto Street Journal. Um, on on Facebook and Instagram, Roto ST Journal on Twitter. Uh, me personally, you find me at Roto Street Wolf. I've already revealed my my first round of fantasy grades and stock profiles, and they look fantastic. I'm very proud of them. So would love if you check out that that mock fantasy first round I put together and give me your feedback. What do you think of these fantasy stock scores? Can I improve them? Because uh, that's our bread and butter, and we're really going to go all in this year. I'm going to make sure we have all, all top 100 done by the time the Super Bowl is over. So stay tuned with us. We're, there's no off season here. Always stay active and engaged. If you, this is your first time, welcome. Subscribe. Let us know your thoughts. The Fantasy Fullback Dive, as we alluded to at the beginning, paving that path to fantasy titles in 2019 and well beyond. So glad to have your listens already, you psychos, if you listen to a Fantasy Fullback podcast uh, in, in this time of the year. That's the type of people that we love and we want to build yeah. our wolf pack with. Thanks. So thanks for tuning in, and we want you all off season. Let's get it this this 2019 wolf pack. All right, my name's Nat the Truth Jones. And I'm the wolf. See you guys. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go. But at least we stole the show 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 Old-fashioned football right there, folks.